Our reading is taken from the first book of Jeremiah, starting at verse 4. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am only a child. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. And do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and he touched my mouth and he said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and to tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Let's pray, shall we? Father God, we thank you for your goodness to us as a people here. We thank you that you sent Tom to us. We thank you that you sent Ian to us. We thank you for the ministry that you've given him, for the gift you've given him in sharing the good news of Jesus. Father, we just pray your blessing on him now. Holy Spirit, we just pray that you'll move in power in this place that your words will be on his lips. Help us to be attentive to what you're saying through him this morning. Help us to be obedient. We pray that none of us will leave here the same because we've heard from you today. Mm. And we pray that especially for Tom today, that, Father, that you will speak into his heart and Joe's as well, Father, reminding them that you are Father that you are the one that will place words in their mouths and that you are the one to whom all the glory must go. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thanks, Vernon. Thank you to Corinne for uh, that reading. I just want uh, one small confession before I start, which is uh, this past half term, which is past week, I've been to Centre Parks, which has been really good. But it means that I can't hardly hear myself because I've got water in my ears, and it only started just before the service. You may say that's a blessing I can't hear myself, but you're going to have to hear me uh, because I've got things to say. But it's good to, um, it's good to hear these words uh, from Jeremiah. He, thank you. He was a, a prophet. Uh, These words written something like uh, around 2,600 years ago to the southern kingdom of Judah. But his message uh, resonates through the changing pace of time. And it applies itself to our world today. And indeed into ministry today, which is what we're celebrating uh, this morning, a ministry. Uh, In some ways we say it's Tom's ministry. And in, in, in some ways it is. But really it's God's ministry that he's giving and entrusting to Tom. 
Uh, Jeremiah's world was a a disobedient one. You could argue that our world is the same uh, today. His message mainly was to urge the people of God to turn away from wrongdoing and come back to God, their loving father. Any father with a child would want them to come back to them, uh, even when they've displeased uh, their father. It's a longing for reconciliation and coming back to God. And this is what God was about. And he was saying the words through uh, Jeremiah. Jeremiah was passionate, and he didn't give up. He wasn't successful in the eyes of the world. He was poor. He had been thrown into prison at various times. He was rejected by his family, his friends, and associates, and kings. But in regards to obedience and a commitment to God's message of reconciliation and faithfulness, in spite of those troubles, he was a success. And we're listening to his words all these years later. Why was he passionate and committed? Well, the answer, uh, as we can see from these verses that Corinne read, he was assured of his call by God. God had spoken to him. We celebrate today because we're recognizing the call of God in a man's life. And that's what we've heard in these induction promises. Tom, after preaching for something like nine years, serving as an elder for six years, finally, and I'll say finally because quite a few of us recognized it before, but he finally got to a point, it must be in God's timing, that he recognized God's call in his life and is now training, learning, and developing at Spurgeon's College. And I echo uh, Nick's uh, comments about that being the best Baptist college uh, anywhere. He's engaging in theological study and thought, And he's going to have to apply that in the world in which he lives. And at this present time, and we hope in the future for longer, here at Billericay Baptist Church. And Tom, I have to say to you, there'll be times, which has been alluded to already by Linda, where you'll feel excited, passionate, enthusiastic. These are words that I would describe with Tom. I I, I don't really see him too melancholy uh, that often. We, We will put paid to that. But you'll be excited, passionate and enthusiastic. And it's a great journey. And it's a journey that God has called you to. And he calls all of us, doesn't he, really? These words of Jeremiah. We could apply them to our own lives. And not just for Tom. But we are recognizing today a specific call for Tom and his life. But when you do get those times, which you will, when you might feel low, a bit worn out, tired, there's sermons to prepare, essays to write, you might feel a bit dejected sometimes. Maybe you're not getting the fruit out of the ministry that you thought you might have. Or maybe you will. God knows. You might have questions. But that's when you remember the call to ministry that God has on your life. That's what you go back to, a day like today. I think it's really important to put markers down in the life of a church and celebrate these things. The call of God is for all of us. Uh, we're all disciples. We're all followers of Christ. But we are recognized in his call on Tom this morning. God spoke words of such a call to Jeremiah all those years ago. And I believe God has these words for you as well. And I have to confess, I was reluctant at first. They were spoken to me on a trip to India many years ago and confirmed many times. And I wondered whether I was just remembering them for today. I thought that was nice for me and I believed it was of God. Am I just remembering those? But the more I prayed about it, the, the more I really felt God wanted me to preach from this passage this morning, laid these words on my heart for you today and also for us as a church and the wider church to hear them with you. So, Um, We're going to just unpack this passage a bit, uh, see what it meant for Jeremiah and see what it means for you and indeed the rest of us as well. First first of all, God's word to you, Tom. Verse 4, the word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah said. The word of the Lord came to me. Tom's been on a journey. Um, I've been a a, a bit of a part in that journey and many people here have as well. Uh, He went on an Alpha course. I think his original one was here and then he went on another one um, at Christchurch. 
I had the privilege to baptise him. I wasn't the first person, if you've heard, that's been involved in ministry uh, with Tom. Nick Jenkins, who's one of our elders, is ill today, um, dedicated Tom in this very place. So he heard the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord came to him through Alpha. Alpha. Alpha means beginning. It's the beginning of many people's uh, journey. If you haven't done that course and you're not sure what you believe, I'd encourage you to do so. But then he believed these words. The word of the Lord came to him and he was baptized because the Bible says, repent, I turn to God, change your mind, turn to God, which a lot of the world hasn't done. A third of it has. So you turn to God, believe in the work of the cross and what Christ has done. He pays for the wrongdoings of, of me and you, if you want him to, so that we can stand before God one day and be declared, okay, righteous. And he got baptised. Repent, turn to God, believe in the work of the cross, get baptised. We're a Baptist church, we believe that. Underneath here is a load of water. Now, no one can get baptised today because that's a lot of work to move that lot. But we baptise people by full immersion. We cover them, we believe it's biblical. And I remember, I I baptised Tom, Well, really, Jesus did, but he used me in my ministry. And I remember Tom's testimony, and he said, with the work of the Holy Spirit in me, I feel like I've been redecorated from the inside. And I've used that at many other baptisms. I said, there was this person once who said this. I can now say it was Tom. He said it, and I've plagiarized it. Not that we do that for Spurgeons, Tom. He said, I've been redecorated from the inside. What a lovely picture of what the work of the Holy Spirit can do when someone becomes a a believer. But God's word comes to you, Tom. The word of the Lord came to me. And it's about relationship as well. Jeremiah had this relationship with God. God was speaking to him. He still speaks through his word to us today. Indeed, he is this morning. And as Christians, it's not just about rules and regulations and trying to stay on the right track. Of course, that's some of it. It's a life. It's a relationship. It's not a God that wants to bash me round the head every time I get it wrong. It's a God who says, this is a way of life. You can can try the other way. How's that working out for you? This is a better way. This is my way. The teachings of Jesus have not been surpassed for over 2,000 years. But it's not just about rules and regulations. A life, a relationship. God's word, and it was prophesied hundreds of years before, would circumcise us in the heart. We'd want to please him. A true Christian is one who moves from legalism to love. So rather than saying, I'd better not break God's laws, to saying, I don't want to break God's heart. We want to please the Father. I don't want to go against his will. He has good things in store for me. God's word came to Tom. The Holy Spirit changed his heart, and his life has been changed. The old has gone, the Bible says, and the new has come. He's been and being redecorated from the inside out. It's an ongoing work. A theological term. I've got to throw a few of these in because Linda's here and my regional minister's here and I feel like they may be marking me. But it would be called sanctification. It means becoming more like Christ. And we can't do that on our own. It's the work of the Holy Spirit as he redecorates us from the inside out. So after God's word came to Jeremiah, God showed him his call. And I believe, Tom, that God has shown his call to you as well and is indeed underlining that today. So God's call, verse 5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. It's like saying everything else up to now has been preparation for this moment. I mean, do you feel like your life has kind of turned on an axis? Because it has. You're now putting your head above the parapet. You'll draw and you already have others to Christ. You'll baptise, you already have. And of course, there's one that wakes up and doesn't like that. 
And as a church, we promise and have promised to support you in it. But before you were formed in the womb, God knew you. And before you were born, he set you apart. So before all the, the o, was it O-levels when you did them? GCSEs. O-levels when I did them. Uh, A-levels, still called A-levels, I didn't do A-levels, can't say that. And then degree. And then insurance. Uh, and as you said, you've led a very interesting life up to now. But insurance must be thrilling. I'm sure it is. <laughs> but it's been a preparation for this moment. And now God's going to put you on this journey. The one that you were set apart for before you were born. God knows all of us. He loves all of us. It's not just about Tom. It's really this day is about God and what he does. But he has set Tom apart. And with that comes great responsibility. But set apart for what? Jeremiah had his call. You sent yours, we sent yours, but a call to what? Well, it's a call to ministry. Verse 5, I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Tom mentioned in his uh, uh, testimony part that there's a call for good leaders. I believe that. Uh, We do need strong leadership, not just in churches, across the world, in every area of life, people of integrity and honesty. But God has appointed you into this ministry. And as you render the scriptures People will look at you because you're speaking for God. You're rendering his word to them. And as you preach, you'll hopefully you'll challenge people. I know you will, I know you have. As you look at the world, you discern. You're preaching for transformation. You're preaching for conversions. We want people to come know Christ for themselves. You're preaching for life change. We call it discipleship. You're preaching about relationships. You're going to see marriages healed. Wrongs put right. We're preaching for people to be able to flourish and churches that will flourish and be a good witness in the world. We want to be game changers or world changers for the sake of Christ. And this is a big task. This is a big ask. The Bible is full of leaders who felt inadequate. Very often I feel inadequate. But our confidence doesn't come from ourselves. Your confidence is in God. You may feel nervous, perhaps scared, sometimes doubtful. And if not, I'd suggest you should every now and again. It's a big role. But Jeremiah had this. You're not alone. Jeremiah had this. Verse 6. Sovereign Lord, I said, I don't know how to speak. I'm only a child. But remember God's word to you, God's call on your life, God's ministry in you. How does God answer Jeremiah? But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm only a child. It's like God saying, but I've called you. I've called you, Jeremiah. I've called you, Tom, or Ian, or whoever it is. I'm with you. You can do so much if we put our confidence in God and not in ourselves. So the Lord says to me, do not say I'm only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. And verse 8, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. I have to say, in my experience, ministry is a privilege. It has its downsides, like any role in life, but mostly it's a privilege. It's a life. It's a calling. You get to share in people's lives in many different aspects. You can get to share in bringing healing and restoration. You can speak God's word into circumstances. You can share new birth, both physically, when we've had quite a few dedications since I've been here, physically, but also spiritually, new birth. You share in baptisms, Weddings and even funerals, you're given the privilege that a family wouldn't trust you to do the last thing they can do for their loved ones. But it's also tough. 
It's never ending. One of the things I liked, I, I, so my, my journey was I was a broker uh, in the city for 17 years. Then I ministered at, at Christ Church Stock uh, for, I think, five years. And then went by vocational, which meant I did both for four years. And it nearly wore me out. Um, but one of the things I used to enjoy when I was in the city uh, was the Friday feeling. Do you know that feeling? You know the Friday feeling if you've got a kind of Monday to Friday job? If you haven't, you won't know the feeling. But it, trust me, it's a feeling. And I used to get on the train on a Friday evening. If we'd had a good day, your biceps are bulging a bit. I've had a good day. There's nothing to do until Monday. And you think, well, I, I can't do anything. The markets aren't open. And so I've got the weekend. You don't get that as a minister. We get our days off, and it's important to take them. Uh, but there's always, there's always something more you could be doing. That comes down to personal discipline to say, well, actually, no. It's time for Joe and Tim and family and you. And it's actually God-given. But there is no Friday feeling. It's a life. Why anyone, and you need to hear me right on this, why anyone would choose church ministry as a career is beyond me. You wouldn't choose it. But you are chosen. It can only be a call of God. It wouldn't be a natural thing that you would uh, put yourself forward for. He chose you, Tom. But remember, you've accepted. So we don't want to complain too much. Because we've accepted He called us and we said yes. And you are. I like this word servanthood. It gets banded about quite a bit. And we are servants of the church. And that is, is, Jesus came as a servant. But it's important to say that the church is not your master. Only God. Only God. And there'll be times when you have to preach a tough message or after much prayer and discernment make a tough judgment. It may be a message that people don't want to hear, but your role and responsibility, his role and responsibility is to God. Verse 7, you must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, can you please tell them what they really want to hear? In fact, the passage that was read earlier uh, said sometimes they'll have uh, itching ears, which I'm going to, funny enough, is at the end of my sermon as well. There are going to be times when only you and God will know everything in a given situation. This happens with ministers. People give us confidences. And if we break that confidence only once, uh, then we are tarnished. So confidences can't be broken. Therefore, other people might be uninformed. They might even criticise your actions because they don't know the whole picture and you can't tell them. And you only have one option then. That's to take it home with you and bear the burden. You and God. Because he's the only other one sometimes that can know. And as you preach God's word, ministering Christ's name and guided by the Holy Spirit, there will be sometimes opposition. Jeremiah had it. He preached under five kings. The people didn't like his message. God says, verse 8, do not be afraid of them. And why not? Because he says, for I am with you. I am with you. Doesn't he say that to all of us at the end of Matthew's gospel? I'm I'm with you to the very ends of the age. What a great promise he has for all of us. The freedom in my own ministry which I'd love to pass on to you, was to understand that as much as we're called to care, shepherd, preach, teach and pray for people, it's God's church, it's not ours. And we're here to discern what he wants over and above being a people pleaser. And if I had one bit of advice which was given to me very early on, you can't be. Because half will want something and the other half wants something else. You're never going to please everybody. Much better to please God. And then you can stand by decisions and push them through. Most importantly, those words that resonate in our hearts. I am with you. God is with you, Tom. 
So you have God's word, God's call, God's ministry, and you have your confidence that can only come from God. Now act. We've got a lot of work to do. Uh, The church in the West has a lot of work to do. Verse 9. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. Verse 10. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. This is a great commissioning. The Lord is giving Jeremiah the words. The Lord has given you the words this morning. You're appointed. That's happened. There is no going back. I'm doing that as if Nick is sitting there. He's over there. It's happened. You've been appointed as our new minister in training. We feel like we're getting a bit more than that because of the experience that you've had. But we know you're going to a great place in Spurgeon's College. We know they're going to question you. They're going to, you're, you're not going to believe stuff because I've said it or someone else said it. You're going to believe it because you know it. Because they will put a, I remember uh, one lecturer saying, my job is to put a bomb inside your brain, explode it, and leave you to put it back together. You have to have your own theology. You'll be bringing us fresh ideas. It's going to be amazing. But there's much work to do. The vision for our church here at Billericay since February has been one of character. We looked at a passage from Colossians, and it was all about being a character, the people of God, so that when people come in, they'll be attracted to God because of his people because they're being authentic. Next year, we're looking at what it's going to be to be an effective church. Not that our character's sorted out. That's a work in progress. But we need to be effective. We're not called to be a cruise ship. We're a lifeboat. And sometimes we've got to get uncomfortable and there's much need. There's much work to be done. See today, I point you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. There's a lot to be done. So an effective church is what we need. We need effective, attractive, evangelical ministers to do it. And I believe we have found one in Tom. I don't like to think of myself as the um, older minister. Um, When I started out, I was in a good percentage. I think only uh, 20% of ministers were my age. Now I'm in this middle bracket. I've been promoted, so to speak, but I'm kind of the the O-level generation, not the GCSE generation. But I don't like to think of myself as the older minister. I like to think we're all kind of about the same age, which is fine with me. (laughs) So I don't want to be the older minister giving advice to a younger one, but I can echo the words of Paul the Apostle. Now, Paul the Apostle used to be called Saul. This is somebody you would say could never become a Christian. At best, he was holding coats of those that were killing Christians. And yet he met with Christ, and he had an amazing experience, and he became a Christian, and he became Paul the Apostle. See, God can take the worst of people and change them, redecorate them from the inside out. I'm not saying Tom's the worst of people. I'm talking about Saul now, but he's, you know. (laughs) Paul calls himself the chief of sinners, yet God turned his life around. And he went out to write so much of the New Testament, and we still quote his words today, which I'm about to quote now. What it says to some of you who don't know Christ is that you can turn as well. You can repent. You can turn to Christ. And you can ask for him to go on that cross and take all your wrongdoings. And what he does, if this is your sin, the old biblical world of sin, word, you know, your wrongdoings, we've all done stuff wrong. And Christ says, he takes your sin to the cross and he puts it on himself. And he actually clothes us in his righteousness. Well, now there's no barrier. And I can speak to God directly through him. He's taken my wrongdoing on the cross. He took Saul's wrongdoing and called him Paul. He spoke to Tom. The word of the Lord came to me through Alpha. 
And Tom accepts him and redecorated from the inside out. And he takes Tom's sin and his wrongdoings, not to condemn him. Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to condemn it, I came to save it. He saved him. From what? The penalty of sin, the penalty of wrongdoing. On the cross, he took it. And the Bible says we're clothed in his righteousness. And that's available for all. For God so loved the world, he sent his son to die for the world. That's an amazing offer, but so many people don't want to take it. Tom did, and God has led him on this exciting journey. And you can take that uh, decision as well. He may not call you into full-time Christian ordained ministry, but he'll call you to something. So I'm going to echo these words of Paul, someone who made a decision for Christ, to a younger minister in a church in Ephesus, and interestingly was read out earlier by Kevin. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from truth and turn aside to myth. But you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. As time goes on for Tom, there will be a continuing process that you'll be going through as you work towards ordination as a Baptist minister. We call it the Baptist faith and order that you'll be ordained into. And you join the many ministers who have gone through the same process of calling, prayer and discernment. A process that started with the local church represented here this morning, meeting your minister, going through ministerial recognition, then Spurgeon's and then coming here. And we're going to watch you be trained theologically and practically. And we look forward to the day when you'll be ordained into that Baptist faith and order. And then a period after that. It's not over after that. Then there's three years of extra stuff you have to do, uh, of continuing development and of being watched. I want to say to you, Tom, though, this morning, on behalf of the wider church, we need you. The churches of the Baptist faith and order need you. The wider church of Jesus Christ needs you. And he's the head of all of them. We can't do it on our own. We need you to make a difference for God. You were dedicated here, and Nick told me that when Tom was dedicated, he said the words, let him not be like his namesake who's a doubter, but like his namesake who confessed Christ. And Tom has done that, obviously. So preach the word, Tom, uh, more so than opinions. Opinions can get you into trouble, but if you stick with the word, then their argument is with God. Correct, rebuke, and encourage. Not everyone wants to hear it. Remember, do not be afraid of them. Keep your head. Remember my past principal, um, Nigel Wright, once said to us, your, one of your roles is to be the non-anxious presence. Uh, and there's that poem, isn't there? Is it If by Rudyard Kipling? When it, something like when all others around you are losing their heads, you keep yours. Endure hardship because sometimes there is some. It's a great privilege, but sometimes it's hardship. Be an evangelist. I always wrestle with pastors who say they're not really evangelists. Every pastor is an evangelist. We're using God's word and calling them to, to back to him. And discharge all the duties of your ministry. On the team, we have this saying, we don't expect excellence. We aim for it. We don't expect it because we're not perfect. But what we can have is an excellence in attitude. And already you've shown that. And then once it's all over, 
the passage goes on. For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. God bless you, Tom, Joe, and Timothy, as God takes you on this journey together. And God bless us all as we support them and watch them flourish and see people brought to Christ through this family. Amen? Amen. Great. I'm going to pray for us and then hand back over. Lord, we thank you for your word, for the truth that it really uh, stands for us now, these words of Jeremiah and Paul's letter to Timothy, Lord, that really resonate with us this morning. We thank you for their ongoing truth, their ongoing application to us. And I pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would make those things known to us as we go out into the week, as your church becomes scattered and effective in surrounding communities, workplaces and relationships, that we would really know the presence and power of your Holy Spirit and we would see lives change. We pray particularly for Tom, Joe and Tim. We thank you for them. We thank you this is a day of celebration, of recognising your call on this life. And Lord, we've already promised to support them, but we say to you as a covenant God, and as we've covenanted to them, we give you all the glory, honour and praise. This is your church, and all we do is to seek your will. In Jesus' name, amen.